Welcome to The Tune-Up, the podcast from Auto Repair Focus. I'm Phil Curry, and once again joining me is, uh, via phone, is Lee Johnson. Hi, Phil, how are you? Not bad. Well, better than, better than I have been. How are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Just tackling the beast from the years. Yes, snow on the ground outside, and that doesn't stop us. What does stop us, as some of you might be aware, this is our first podcast, we, we kind of missed a fortnight, is, um, is a cold. First of all, I know you've had it, Lee, and I've had it, and... It's not very good when you can't talk or talk without coughing for five minutes, is it? Uh, no, no, no. But on if we did do it on the day that we were issued to do it, I did have a brilliant Barry uh, Barry White impression as well. So <laughs> I'd have had you singing at the end. Forget the cheesy jingles. Just get you singing into the news. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, um, first of all, we're going to be talking today about the MOT, but let's find out what's been happening since we've been off air. Um, here is the latest aftermarket news. Another cheesy jingle. I am loving these, and I believe you guys are too. Anyway, let's now go into the news and see what's been going on in the industry. Thanks, Phil. The UK's automotive industry has called for realistic policies from the government to support the transition to a low-carbon future, with a warning that the anti-diesel agenda and slow take-up of electric vehicles could mean industry misses its next round of CO2 targets in 2021. The move came as a new report published by the SMMT confirmed that the average CO2 of newly registered cars rose for the first time on record in 2017, up by 0.8%. This was in part due to the decline in the diesel market, which saw sales drop by 17.1% in 2017, as buyers held back due to confusion over government policy on the technology. New analysis by QuickFit has revealed that March 2018 will see the largest number of MOTs carried out in any single month since the introduction of twice yearly registrations in 1999. This peak comes because the new month sees cars which were newly registered in March 2015 requiring their first MOT. Nearly 500,000 new cars were registered three years ago, the largest monthly figure since August 1998. As a result, this month will see the biggest monthly increase in three-year-old cars in almost two decades. Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, or ADAS, fitted into the latest vehicles are adding significantly to the cost of car repair bills, according to What Car magazine. The sensors behind these systems prove expensive to replace and are often housed in vulnerable areas of the car, such as behind bumpers and windscreens. That means they are causing a steep increase in the cost of replacing these traditionally cheaper parts by as much as 123%. According to the Association of British Insurers, the average cost of a car repair bill has risen by 32% over the past three years to almost £1,700. With ADAS technology currently fitted to around 6% of vehicles on UK roads and expected to rise to around 40% by 2020, that cost looks set to increase even further. And finally, Auto Mechanica Birmingham 2018 is set to tackle all the major issues affecting businesses in the automotive aftermarket. The event, which takes place from the 5th to the 7th of June at Birmingham NEC, is specifically geared towards meeting the needs of end users, including garages, motor factors, retailers and franchise dealerships. 
The show will feature advice and support on running an automotive business, both now and in the future. With an exhibitor base set to be the most proactive yet, visitors will also benefit from the event's thriving seminar programme, with issues such as GDPR and MOT changes set to dominate. And that's you up to date with all the latest. For all other news, please go to our website, www.autorepairfocus.com. So there's been a lot going on in the industry, um, but what we're going to talk about today, and as, as normal with our, our episodic nature, is we're going to be focusing on a certain subject, and today it is the MOT. Now there's been a lot going on with the MOT over the last couple of years, uh, and more changes to come in 2018. Uh, we'll discuss those points at first, but uh, I mean, it's it's probably prudent to mention I've just had an MOT on my Fiesta ST, um, where they discovered that it didn't have a catalytic converter fitted, and after a lot of wrangling and running about, uh, we managed to get it through, um, avoiding a £1,700 bill, just down to about £400, £500 worth, but uh, that was certainly stressful, and you can read about that in the blog on autorepairfocus.com, the Shameless plug there. And you've had any MOT issues, Lee? Uh, so I, I, I've, over the years, um, sort of just minor issues. I, I've, I've got a very good relationship with my uh, local car mechanic. Um, he knows that I look after my cars and that sort of thing. So when it comes down to kind of like even like the advisories, I've, I've lucky enough Touchwood never had any kind of majors or anything, but some of the advisories tend to be kind of like a wheel bearing is on the way out um, I think like sort of the brake pads uh, like wear on the brake pads now I tend to now my commute into the city is done by, by train um, my, my annual mileage is kind of down to about sort of two three thousand a year so um, sort of brake, brake pad dusts that sort of thing um I, I don't have to replace them that that often, but um, when when it comes up, I know that I've at least got another kind of like three four months before I need to replace them for the for, for the summer mm. really. So um, yeah, like little niggly bits like that, or like the bulb has uh, has gone. But I, I generally like to check those sort of things before it goes through. Mm. I mean, I know a lot of people sort of think the MOT is a is a service in a way, isn't it? But it. it I don't think people understand really obviously when a car's being tested it, it can't really be you know nothing can be taken off or touched or anything like that um, I mean it's it's more of a, it's a safety check and an advisory point isn't it really just to find out what's wrong with your car if anything and hopefully you know nothing major it will fail on and some advisories if there are any which you can you can get fixed as soon as possible hmm yeah, definitely. Well, and also as well, it's, it's um, reassurance to other motorists on the roads that um, that you would like to think that all the cars out there have got valid uh, MOTs on there. I, I, obviously, you're always going to get the, the couple of people that would avoid tax, MOT and insurance and stuff like that. But for the kind of general reassurance, as I sort of carry my family around in, in the family mobile, if... Um, if, if anything was to happen, then at least you know that the other car uh, is is sound. The wheel's not going to fall off or anything like that as you're driving down the motorway or anything. Mm, yeah. I mean, that, that, it, that's interesting because that brings us on to our first point, really, which is the, um, the four-year MOT plans. Now, 
I'm sure listeners will be aware, um, obviously some might not be, that, that there was a government consultation uh, to extend the MOT-free um, period for new vehicles to four years from from free. Um, I know that was met by a lot of concern within the industry. I mean, the, the, the automotive aftermarket liaison group, um, you know, we've always been together but came together even more came out even more to sort of publicize the the issue and the, the safety aspect of it um because i think that was that was part of the problem it was never a case of garages losing money it was a case of safety i mean you've got four three-year-old cars you know if you if you're doing twenty-five thousand miles a year which some people do your first mot is going to come in at a hundred thousand miles and you're going to get cars coming with worn brakes tires at least if not worse yeah well we do like my, my car uh, my car is uh, 2006, and it has done 32,000 miles. Hmm. So, are, are we to say that that is actually at a better um, sort of like material awareness hmm. uh, from that side of things, or is it better that a car that is four years old? is in a better place if it's done a hundred thousand miles it's, it's always that conundrum really mm, that's the thing i mean obviously the the, the consultation ended and uh, the government <sighs> decided not to press on with this which is is a plus i mean uh, i mean I've, I've 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 had some cars in my, i mean I, I i buy used cars and you know some of them are, are, are ropey as, as best but it's i mean it's just worrying sometimes sort of you you, you see some on the road which are fairly new and you know, tyres are a wearable item, brakes are a wearable item. Some people don't check those things. Mm. Yeah, no, well, you, you see it on the road today sort of thing, mm. that, um, where, where people will only check their, their um, what, it, what they deem to be necessary, like the front screen and that sort of thing, things that are quite obvious to them, uh, but they won't go brown tyres because... It's just a black wheel at the end of the day. Yeah. If if it's on the car, it's fine. If uh, and they, they they'll happily jump in. But obviously, you've got guidelines around the minimal tread that you can have on cars as well. And people do need to 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 be responsible for for their own vehicles. I mean, I'll be completely honest. My my personal view, and this is a personal view, is that um, you know any any car sort of. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's a call, obviously, for you know classic cars not to, to be exempt from MOT as well, and there is that is that is taking place annoyingly. But uh, my personal view is that any vehicle that's done sort of more than 150,000 miles on the clock, or has more than 150,000 miles on the clock, should be, you know, should have an MOT every six months, um, just yeah. because it's a high mileage vehicle. It's always been driven at high mileage, just a case of keeping it safe and safe and secure. And if there's a way of discounting the MOT for that that vehicle, but um, it's. I mean, I, I, I'm personally, I'm very glad that they decided not to go go ahead with. I mean, it's an extra year, but you know, mm. at the end of the day, twenty five thousand miles in a year is is tire wear central anyway. Mm. Well, it's it's, it's quite interesting because obviously I I like facts and figures and that sort of thing. And on on the the government's website where they've actually gone out to the public and asked questions about how often do you actually conduct a vehicle check on your vehicle now. I am a bit kind of anal with 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 my car, so I, I do check it kind of every week when when I go out and yeah, in it and same. that sort of thing. Um, but 
the general rule of thumb is you got 35% of the people surveyed that they actually check it at least once a month, mm. which is, to be fair, actually, I think is still quite high. But you've got, I, I think that there are a large number of people out there that it depends on what you classify as checking your vehicle. Mm. If they check the vehicle and go, yes, it's got tires on it, yes, the doors close, the seatbelt works, and that sort of thing, then that is what they're constituting as a check. It depends on obviously what their interpretation of roadworthy conditions is and I think that differs for different people as well mm. but it was quite reassuring to see that actually a lot of people do check their cars at, at well 21% at least once a week mm. so it's, it's quite reassuring those figures really it is I mean I've, I've got a sitting on my desk at the moment I've got a tyre um, tread depth reader in, right in front of me you know and I, I, I do I, I use that you know monthly um, and you know bulbs obviously you, you can you know, i check the bulbs every every month i, I hate being the guy driving down the road with a, a headlight bulb out you know it just makes it look a makes it look a motorbike or anything like that it's i find it embarrassing personally um but then you've got um you know you, you, are you saying that what with uh with, with less tread it's it's an embarrassing thing I, well, I find it a bit embarrassing. I mean, I, I personally, I find it, you know, with the bulbs, I find it embarrassing if I've got one out. If it's the, the, the tread side of things, I find it dangerous. I mean, a few years ago, and I, you probably remember this, Lee, I had a, 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 a Mondeo ST24, um, and I, I came off a roundabout um, in the rain. Uh, people think I was tearing it around. I really wasn't. Um I came off roundabout in the run. I hit an oil slick. And this, is, this was outside um, of uh, Dunton Ford. Um, so I don't know if they had a, a car come out with a problem or something, but there was an oil slick on the roundabout. I hit that, and I I spun the car around sort of 720 degrees and ended up in a ditch. Um, and ever since then, I've always had a thing about grip. Um, and I, 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 it's almost like I can feel if my tyres are low... And you know this this tread depth gauge is basically a card, and it's got um, you know it's got it's got a green and amber and a and a red. And if it's in if 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 you can see the red section, then you need to get them replaced. They're below the legal limit. I always find if they're in the amber, I'm sort of worried. Um, that's about three mil tread left, but I can always sort of almost feel the grip. You know, it's 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 like I do not like my tires being low, so I'll always check them, make sure they're okay. And a lot of people don't sort of realise that. That the tire is actually the only thing that is in contact with the ground, so mm. you know that's the only thing keeping you on the road basically. And so, people who just sort of you know, look at it and maybe kick it a little bit, that's fine and fair enough. But I'm I'm always one of the advocates, you know, get a tread depth gauge at least once a month, check the four points across the tire, make sure they're okay. Yeah, well, and also as well, coming back to, I suppose, different treads of tyres and that sort of thing, we're kind of coming a bit off of the MOT side of things, but mm. it's all quite relevant, is that you've got, like, motorbikes, um, my car, my car runs on semi-slick tyres, mm. um, sort of road-legal worthy tyres, but they are sort of semi-slick, so I, I suppose from that angle, I'm always a bit more conscious about what my, what my depths are and stuff, and... I've, I've been pulled up in in the past by police that think that actually that's a a racetrack tire, which it's not. It is a a, a road legal that mm. most motorbikes also use that 
the same kind of uh, slick pattern as well. So mm. it's, it's just making sure that everyone's a bit more mindful and aware, really. But mm. it, it is interesting about sort of the, the changes in the MOT that are, that's kind of upon us as well, really. Yeah, the um, these are coming in in May, um, and we've got the what is it? more checks on the sort of like the, the dpf the exhaust system um especially for diesels the dpf um and the one thing that i mean I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute but the one thing that catches my eye is the is the minor major and dangerous categories um now it's not a huge change because a minor is an advisory uh, a major is um you know a failure in that respect but it's the dangerous one that I'm interested in because that's that's effectively the garage saying we cannot release the car. So I I've just got a feeling we're going to see a bit more. It's putting garages in a position where they've got to be a bit more confrontational. I think with the with the customer. Uh, yeah, but then also as well, I think if if it's widely known as in so if people are fully aware that you've got this new structure coming in place into minor major and dangerous and i'm, I'm thinking of mr joe uh, and mrs joe average on on the street hmm. um that they might not be aware of obviously these podcasts and what the industry changes uh, mean to them as an individual but i think that there needs to be more awareness around actually if this doesn't happen or your car is not of an adequate standard and it does meet the, the dangerous criteria there is no choice because I think the person on the street is going to blame the garage but the garage is only adhering to the conditions being set mm. by like the regulation and the government and that side of things so I think if you tell someone that actually no it's now government policy da, 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 they'll probably be less pissed towards the garage because they know that it's not them telling them no if that makes sense mm, yeah um, where whereas if they are not aware they're going to be basically directing that full force of why not and what can you do about it sort of thing um directly to the garage which i think is a bit unfair so I mean, I think it's. I've seen a lot of. Co I, I, I say a lot of coverage. I've seen bits of coverage um, hidden away in motor magazines and things like that. The national press, um, if they pick up on it, mate, it's mainly sensationalist, you know. And again, I think a lot of them are picked up on the DPF aspect of it, and sort of almost highlights, somewhat almost in a way, saying it's unfair on the motorist, which is is ludicrous to be honest with you. Um, DPF is there for a reason. Um, but I think it's, I've got a feeling at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the garage to educate. Um, because I think you're going to have to have a point where, you know, I, I would hope sort of like the, the the garage schemes and the garage networks that are out there sort of, you know, uh, supporting independent garages um, can get together and create a series of posters or something like that just to highlight the differences, the changes in the MOT that are coming, put them in garage waiting rooms, put them in reception areas because at the end of the day it's going to come down to educating the customer and, and, and garages need to do that and it's it comes down to that whole customer servicing again which we're probably going to again talk about at some point soon but it's it's a change that is necessary because um, always there's that grey area as well isn't there that if you know your car fails the MOT 
I mean, it, technically, if your car fails the MOT, your car fails the MOT. Um, mm. A lot of people think that, oh, it's, you know, I've still got a week left on the original, I can drive it for that week. It is a grey area. Some people say, yes, you can. A lot of people say, no, you can't. But again, it's about educating the driver and saying, look, this, dang- this is dangerous. It's not even mm. leaving the garage now. You've got to get this fixed mm. before we can go back on the road. Also, also as well, I know we're kind of going back to the the three to extend it to four years, but it just came into my mind that if if they if they do do that, how much how much of an impact is on those MOT garages? Because in theory, those new cars coming out on production, they're going to be on the MOT station a year later. Mm. So actually, there's a there's an income. Uh, like a loss of revenue for, for, for the MOT garages as well. I'm just thinking, uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm hoping that the government has sort of taken that into consideration as well because you've got, well, effectively another year where those cars are not going into those service stations. That's the problem. And I think as well it's, uh, and it's mentioned new MOTs as well, It's it's it opens up, too many avenues as well I think for potentially in, in, in a way I think it, it kind of opens up potential for dodgy MOTs and things like that as well especially with the DPF side of things because um, if you take a DPF off your car um, the last thing you want to do is fail the MOT and have to pay out um, for well, a new for one another DPF. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly or you know hopefully in a sense if you're taking it off you still have it but uh, there were drivers out there who you know buy cars and don't realize that dpf's on you know not on there um and it's it's good that the mot's you know becoming stricter in that sense because the dpf's on there for a reason it's mm. it's there to um restrict the amount of, of nitrogen nitrogen oxides nox and if it's not on there, then it's contributing to the whole dirty diesel argument, which we, we talked about in our first podcast, which is also available on autorepairfocus.com. If there's a plug, I'm going to use it. <laughs> it's just a case of... Um, I mean, it's just a case of managing the MOT, isn't it, really? And just, just making sure that garages communicate with the customer, um, especially with these new ones, you know, the, the, the faults, the problems, and just being prepared to be able to to repair them mm. although one thing one thing does interest me and it's, it's just a thought against cropped into my head is um, some garages will do MOT work but they won't necessarily necessarily have the skills um, or the abilities to repair some certain faults um, so if a car comes in with a dangerous fault, I mean, it's, it's, it's less likely to happen because a dangerous fault is probably going to be something that is is repairable. But if a car comes in with a dangerous fault, um, is the garage going to be equipped to be able to say we can keep the, we need to keep the car here? And then, yeah. additionally, what happens if the if the customer says, "Oh, I don't, you know, don't worry about it. The car's not worth it." Does, does the car then become property? Of, well, it's going to be if, if it's left in the garage, the garage then has to dispose of it, which is again is another income hit really hmm. well, it's, it's, it's another thing that, you, that they would have to factor in which mm. is it's not only the cost element of scrapping the vehicle or, or, or what they do with it after that but it's also the, the storage the, the, mm. the MOT centre might not have the capacity to have another car 
um, on their forecourt. Mm. And I say, well, if you go into the rural areas, some of these MOT stations are kind of like uh, effectively a a one one car garage, really. Mm. So yeah, you, you're going to either have a, an overflow of cars that <clears throat> have been identified as dangerous, which is good, um, depending on obviously the severity of it, really, because uh, you you could find that. Um, one of your, I suppose, I, I've I've had it in the past that my uh, on, on some of my older cars or sort of when I was younger, um, I had a loud exhaust and that sort of thing, and that was being deemed as an advisory on an MOT to say loud exhaust. But mm. uh, and then I've used that same car just with a different uh, garage, and they're fine with the loud exhausted they didn't deem it to be an advisory so i suppose from that side of things you've got well if i take it to one garage it would be deemed dangerous so that car then goes away mm. um but then if i take it to another garage they might deem it to be a major um and then they would then carry the work out from it from there as well so mm. it's going to be quite strange uh, well not strange but it's going to be quite difficult to adhere to a set of rules depending on each MOT ha has their own viewpoint of what is actually potentially dangerous and what is major unless mm. unless there's a set of guidelines that have come out from the government on that as well to, yeah. to, to basically advise MOT stations yeah what uh, you know what 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 they consider being right I mean obviously that obviously MOT stations will follow you know the the set rules and and checks and things like that but um mm. i mean i did have um actually on my mot on my on my fiesta um i had an advisory of a uh, obstruction in the windscreen and it was the air freshener that was hanging on the rear view mirror um <laughs> and he oh. it basically um what they said was yeah we 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 took it off and made it an advisory and i'm just i'm, I'm just thinking you know what I, some garages will just take it off you know, it's it's an air freshener. It's 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 easily removable, and it's it's simple to do that. Just take it off and, and tell the customer. But that that obstruction on the windscreen is now on my digital record for that car. That car will now always go through. Will go through the rest of its life. People check up on the online, you know, and look at the MOT history, and it will say obstruction in windscreen as an advisory. And it wasn't a major; it didn't fail on it. But I just think. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's, it was that hugely necessary to to put that for an air freshener. If it was a chip in the windscreen, fine. But, but yeah, it's just it, it's just, just just having that common sense approach, really, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. In in that case, that's well, that's quite a funny uh, that's quite a funny story, that is. Yeah. Because oh. um, it, it sounds a lot worse than it actually is, but mm. I, I I do think that there needs to be. Um, some strict guidelines around it because mm. then that gives uh, reassurance to uh, people that are not in the industry um, to kind of look out and, and be aware of as well so that's that's a good point from that side of things mm. um, and also as well it makes them aware that if when they do go into a garage and something doesn't uh, it isn't quite right then that's the reason why they're saying it's not quite right because mm. the guidelines that were given uh, but by, by, by the government and, and regulatory side of mm. things, um, and consistency yeah, I, as well. I do think that there needs to be a bit of common sense applied to most things, really. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and just on a sort of the point of frequency as well. I mean, I've, I've, I've again, it's it's come out this morning, but it's it's a very good point. Um, you know, I think 
charities are going to have to start preparing. Um, we've had two, well, I'll say we've had two. 2015 um, was a record year for car sales at the time, and 2016 trumped it. Um, and of course, March is the, is the period and for, for you know mo- most new car sales in the year. So we're now getting into, I mean, we're, we're recording this on the, it was the 28th of February, um, just to put a date on this. Tomorrow's the 1st of March, and I think tomorrow's going to start one of the busiest months, possibly the busiest month ever of of vehicles needing MOTs until next year when, you know, 2016 registrations come through because, you know, more car sales, um, mm. which also indicates that yeah, you know, 2017 wasn't a fantastic year. Although saying that, March was actually record. Um, I think 18's going down as well. It's gonna that's gonna impact a little bit on the on you know the new cars coming, in, the new car sales. It's, it's gonna impact on the MOT number of MOTs carried out, mm-hmm. obviously. And I think we're, we're gonna see that this year with with more, and it's gonna be less and less as as 17, 18, 19's registrations come in. Well, and also as well, when they did the the government did that survey with the um, with, the, with, with the public, they they were actually uh, given the, the the question of if the if the change was made from three to four years, would you be more or less likely to buy a, a new or second hand car that obviously manufactured within that time period? Um, and and to be fair, actually. It's it, most of them. So sixty three percent actually said neither. Mm. Um, it it doesn't doesn't really fact doesn't really matter to the Joe public that that if it's either a three or a four. Um, out of that sixty three percent, or the other twenty two uh, percent did say that they were more likely to buy a a newer car mm. um, because of obviously the extended side of things, but. To be fair, is that is that because in in today's society we live more more and more people have newer cars because it's generally cheaper to finance them in that way. Mm. Um, so they're looking at actually, I'd need to change my car soon anyway. So mm. I'm technically always going to be in that three to four year year space. And um, I'm not one of those people. I, I I do own own both my cars, and I I wouldn't even think. Uh, it would probably scare me half to death with the uh, depreciation as soon as I drove it off the forecall. But yeah. that that that's what I'm like anyway. But I, I do see it from people that do use their cars on a daily basis to get to work uh, or do travel the country a lot. So it does put huge mileage on it, sort of thing. It, the the costs become a, a monthly thing, mm. and you see it advertised in in car showrooms that they're not saying oh by the way here's a car for £20,000 £30,000 it's now here's a car for £200 a month mm. so um, I, I see why those stats are 22% more likely is probably a higher figure than the less likely at 14% because of that reason I believe and I find that interesting as to say about the was it sixty five percent said it it wouldn't bother them either way? Sixty three percent. Sixty three percent. I mean, because that that's interesting because that kind of says to me that um, Joe Public doesn't actually mind the MOT. It, it doesn't bother them having an MOT. You know, it, it's whether whether they need to have an MOT on the car or whether it's a new car, they don't. It's it's 
it's almost I'll say necessary evil. I don't like using the word necessary evil because it, it's a necessary necessity. Um, but it sounds like that the public are are actually willing to say, "Let yep, you know what? The MOT doesn't matter. All that matters is I've got a, a good car, no matter what it what it is or what its age." Mm, yeah. And I think that's uh, that's as good a point to, as any to to finish discussion. Um, thank you very much for listening, Lee. Thank you for joining me. No, thank you as always. Um, uh, I'm glad the the snow hasn't uh, affected uh, affected recording of this, and I've actually quite impressed that I've managed to make it through an entire discussion on something without coughing once. I think I'll yeah I'll probably come off of this and and have a fit, but um, anyway, thank you very much for listening. You can obviously read our, our latest features and articles on autorepairfocus.com. Uh, and if you click on the podcast tab you can also find our previous episodes uh, speaking about um, diesel and training I have to think about that one there so again Lee thanks very much for your time today it's cool no worries and uh, we will speak to you in a fortnight thanks very much for listening mm-hmm.